0: So, I scrolled through my Insta daily feed and searched for the next best island. I came across a privately owned island down under in Australia called Badara. Did my usual research to find out who owns this piece of paradise. Pinged an email over to the owners who are Kerry and Sam. Not long after, Kerry responded back saying that they would love to be involved in my podcast and she told me to call her. Well, my friends know me as the annoying one that loves video calls. It's a habit. I mean, even when I'm calling private island owners. So I rang on WhatsApp video. I mean, have you ever had that feeling when you're calling someone and the phone is constantly ringing and you're feeling nervous inside to make your pitch? Yep, that was me. She answered the call. I could see she was at a bar with a few people. She looked at me, froze at me, completely confused. She passed the phone over to everyone else asking if they knew who I was. The phone was passing around the friends at the bar and they didn't even know who I was. I guess I wasn't famous after all. I couldn't even pass off this Priyanka Chopra with my crazy wild hair. So with all the awkward embarrassment, I swiftly cut the call. And that was the beginning on how Carrie and Sam joined me on my podcast. In this episode, we look at what Vidara is currently focusing on in terms of sustainability on the island, their future plan goals, and reveal a secret that the previous owners didn't know about. Hi Kerry, hi Sam, how's it all going? Good, good. Great, thanks, Alicia. How are you? Great. So from our last conversation, I remember you had a really, really interesting story on how and what led you to Badara Island. We do
1: have a good story. Do you want to tell it or no, should No, no, you tell it. You're the better storyteller. <laughs> <laughs> so Sam was actually homeschooled on Badara when he was a young boy, when he was around 11 years old, uh, with his younger brother, Nick, and his parents, Nagi and Murray so they lived there for a period of time and then when he was about 18 years old they sold it and and he was always very upset about that and uh, when I first met Sam he used to talk about Badara Island and say to me we'll own that island one day and I used to think oh he's a funny little thing isn't he I'm sure we will and sure enough after Cyclone Yazi we went to have a look at the island we jumped in it we hired a boat and drove across and Sam was in board shorts I was in bikinis and had a look around and it was completely decimated and I felt so sorry for him because he'd spoken about it for over 10 years. And I turned around to look at Sam and he had a grin from ear to ear and he said, oh my God, Dale, this is going to be great.
0: So I kind of went, no, but as it turned out, it's perfect. When you went to the island, did someone else own it? Was it uninhabited?
2: It had been run as a resort up until Cyclone Yazzie, but the damage that was caused by Cyclone, cyclone Yazzie caused the resort to close and the owners at the time, rather than rebuilding it, thought they'd just sell it as a cyclone damaged resort.
1: So there was a lot of work to do.
0: So how long did the work take? Oh, that was 18 months? Yeah, 18
2: months rebuilds. Okay.
0: And how much did it cost for the maintenance of the island within the past few years?
2: Yeah, look, the first few years are a bit significant because we replaced all the infrastructure on the island too. So we converted the island from what was a diesel-run operation. Previously, the island had a desalination machine, um, big power-hungry sewage treatment and So we converted to being uh, almost entirely solar power, using rainwater and spring water uh, and biocycle waste treatment, amongst other things. So we, yeah, the investment in initially was, was significant. But being on an island, you're exposed to, you know, wind, salt, seas. So uh, on an ongoing basis, there's a a lot more investment in keeping it presenting beautifully than than what I guess a mainland property would be.
0: And when you bought the island, were there any sort of legal restrictions? How easy was the process?
2: We're pretty fortunate with Badara because the title, the tenure of it is freehold title whereas a lot of islands along the Queensland coast are leasehold title. And what that meant is we uh, didn't have to deal with as many government departments and bureaucracy to get all our approvals and, and do all the building that we needed to do. So it was relatively simple. The only tricky thing I think we had from a legal perspective was there was an old jetty that was also destroyed by the cyclone and it jutted out into the marine park. And so part of the deal... Of taking over the island, as we also had to remove the jetty and I guess the legal obligations that went with that marine parks permit. So there was a fair bit of work that went into that.
0: So how close are you from the Great Barrier Reef?
2: We're within the Great Barrier Reef Marine Park. It basically our high water boundary is our boundary, and then beyond that's the Great Barrier Reef Marine Park. The actual sort of the continental shelf where the the edge of the Great Barrier Reef is is about 30 miles from the island. So it's about uh, an hour's boat trip to get to the edge of the Great Barrier Reef.
1: The photos and things you would see of the Barrier Reef is the outer reef. So we do have trips that go out there and it is spectacular. It's beautiful, the colours and the, and the life. So it's wonderful.
0: And so just going back to buying the island, if there was a non-resident of Australia and they wanted to purchase any sort of private islands in Australia. How easy is it for them?
2: Providing they can get here. <laughs>
0: That's okay. That's <laughs> all right.
2: Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. It is possible. It, it's possible. It's um Australia has, a, I guess, a government body called the Foreign Investment Review Board and they look at all purchases made by foreigners and so, yes, it's possible. Quite a few of the Queensland islands on the Great Barrier Reef are owned by foreigners or foreign entities, so it's certainly possible and uh, it seems to be something that this uh, Foreign Investment Review Board are, are happy to approve.
0: What advice would you give to anyone that's looking to buy an island? don't romanticise about owning an island. (laughs) It worked for you guys though. (laughs) Yeah, It did. It's
1: hard work from a logistic and a maintenance standpoint. uh, We're incredibly lucky. Our staff are long-standing and they're wonderful. They're like family to us. So I think for some islands, staffing can be tough. For us, we're very lucky. Uh, But I mean, logistically, you live on an island. So we're very lucky that we're only about 10 kilometres off the mainland and we have a helicopter so we can get fresh stock in daily and, and get people on and off as often as they need to, basically. But especially when you're doing what we did, which was basically rebuilding an island, it's, uh, it's hard work. And as an owner, you don't get to enjoy it like a guest. So <laughs> Sam and I look at the guests and go, oh, my God, I wish we were them. <laughs> yeah.
2: So I, I think the most important thing, if someone was looking at an island, is probably fresh water supply. Mm. That's uh, the boring answer. A lot of islands don't have a source of fresh water and uh, we're lucky enough we put a freshwater spring on Badara that that produces lots of water for us. But if you don't have that, getting water to an island or desalinating water uh, is an incredibly difficult exercise.
1: Mm. And a back story to that is that Sam knew about the spring from when he lived on the island. The people that owned it before us, didn't know about it so that was wonderful for us we had to go searching for it and Sam sort of thought he knew where it was and it was like striking oil when we found it so it was it was wonderful and you know it enabled us to get rid of the desalination plants as Sam said earlier um, and we've got you know a million litres of water on, on the island with all
0: this beautiful fresh spring water so we're incredibly lucky. That's so cool that I was just about to say because I remember having our last conversation and you just said Sam discovered it when he was a child and the new owners had no idea about it. And I thought, wow, this actually sounds yeah. like discovering a little hidden oasis, something that you would yeah. watch on TV.
1: Yeah, it was wonderful. And it was, you know, a great help
0: to us, obviously, because as Sam said, the freshwater supplies everything on an island. And moving on to the challenges that you've been facing with the island, what sort of big challenges have you come across?
2: I think initially when we first took it over, it was it was understanding logistics and how we got freight to the island, how we got guests to the island. And so it was sort of setting up systems and, and procedures to, to make it as efficient as possible. So that, I guess they're the initial early challenges. Uh, and then as time has gone on, it's mainly environmental in terms of being able to maintain the resort to a, a really high standard. Mm. Yeah, so it's just sort of really ongoing maintenance is mm. the uh, the biggest
0: challenge. Are you affected by plastic pollution?
2: Yeah, look, you know, every morning we walk our beaches and one of our beaches is exposed to the south, which is where the prevailing winds come from, and invariably we'll find four or five pieces of, of plastic pollution on the beach, and our guys are all trained to walk the beach each morning and clean it. We've got a small barge that we take around to a few of the national park islands within our family group, and we also collect plastic off, off those beaches when we find it. So it's certainly there, and it's it's definitely an issue, but I think, I don't know, I guess probably Australia is is probably a little less uh, impacted by it, it seems, than some mm. of our northern neighbours like Indonesia and, and they, they seem to have a much bigger problem with it than, than what we do. Um, and it's
1: certainly not a daily problem. You don't see it every day and it's minimal when we do see it, so we're quite lucky in that respect.
2: Mm. And we've got, got lots of turtles around the island, so we want to so make sure they're
0: okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, um, so the turtles come down and lay their eggs at night time?
2: No, they don't breed on, at okay. the
0: they come here, to,
2: come here to eat. They seem to like sort of whatever's growing on the reef around the island, so it's sort of
1: uh, And there's some big ones, so we've got some old ones there as well, which is gorgeous, and uh, we've had some whales in the last few months, which has been beautiful, uh, so it's, it's really nice. So when the guests go out stand-up paddleboarding, they usually will spot a, a turtle or two, which is nice.
0: That's incredible. So there's a lot of talk right now. David Attenborough had his episode... That came out lately, and now everyone's talking about it. Has coral bleaching affected the reefs around your island?
2: Look, it's funny. It's, it's a common thing uh, when we're getting guests from the Northern Hemisphere, and there has been a lot of publicity to it, and, and some of our guests are coming to us, and their comments are oh, "We're coming to see the reef before it disappears. And they ask us the question, "Know, is it? have we missed it? And we just say, look, you're going out there, you have a look, and you tell me what you think at the end of the day when you get back. And invariably they come back and go, Oh my god, it's spectacular. It's full of colour, full of life. Uh, we didn't see any bleaching. And that's our experience with the the stretch of reef, I guess, in our local area.
1: We are very lucky with the stretch that we have near us. So yeah. yeah. But it is wonderful that it's the conversation's being had. So I think everyone's doing the very best they can to prevent
0: or to slow down if it is in fact there. So it's it's a good conversation to have. It definitely is. And one thing which is very like inspirational Speaking to all these private island owners, they are mostly affected because they're living on nature. They see nature on a day-to-day basis, whereas someone like me, I live in the city, so we don't really see much nature apart from a park. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's really nice because I'm learning and everyone else is learning about what these private islands are actually doing to be self-sufficient, sustainable, sustainable, And this is where people like me and city people can learn a lot from.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, when we had the generators before we took over, I mean, that was a 44-gallon drum of diesel guest per day, basically. So we've gone completely solar. At the start of it, we were doing it because it just made sense to do it, but it's so wonderful that we have and it's attracted, you know, a lot of attention so we can talk about what we're doing and it kind of spurs you on to do as much as you can and a little bit more. So, it's yeah, it's been great.
2: Mm. And I think probably the biggest thing we did at the start from a sustainability perspective is prior to us taking over, there were 16 guest villas on the island and rather than design our systems around trying to cater for that population and the amount of staff you need to support that amount of guests, we said, well, what, what is the population that the resort can actually sustain on, a, on an ongoing basis? And we worked out it was less than 16 villas, so we reduced our, our villa count down. so we've only got 12 villas now, and I think that was probably, I guess, the foundation that set us up to be able to operate the resort sustainably now
0: and what else are you doing to because you actually have some future plans that you're working towards aren't you
2: yes we are we're working towards a lot of our villas are beautiful but we think they can be more beautiful so we've got plans to uh progressively replace old villas with new villas so villas that don't have bunch pools we're going to give bunch pools we're going to have larger outdoor areas yeah just make make them even better
0: yeah and in terms of sustainability, what else are you doing to be a more eco and environmentally conscious island?
1: What have we got so far? So, we've gotten rid of the
0: desalination plants, we've gotten rid of the diesel generators,
2: treatment the sewage
0: treatment plant. How are you dealing with the waste and recycling?
2: Basically, we compost all our organic waste, any recyclable cans or bottles. Or plastics that uh, we take back to the island, uh, back to the mainland. Sorry, for recycling rather than going to landfill. Any bottles that can't be recycled, we've got a machine on the island that crushes them and turns into sand, and so we use that sand in in landscaping applications around the island. You know, a lot of the stuff we did too was replacing every single electrical appliance on the island with with low low power consuming alternatives which i guess sort of goes part and parcel with converting the island to being solar powered
0: one of your future goals is to consume zero fossil fuel on your island
2: yes that's exactly right (laughs) and you know what we're we're, the thing is we're pretty much there (laughs) yeah we uh we use zero fuel in in the production of energy on the island we're sort of using at the moment we're using fuel in our vessels to get to and from the island Uh, they haven't invented a, uh, a solar powered helicopter yet so we're still uh, using fuel in the helicopter too um, but we're looking at alternatives you know they've come out with some really good solar powered battery powered catamarans at the moment so we're moving towards sort of those vessels becoming a more viable alternative for us to get mm-hmm. to and from the island but essentially the, the biggest power consumer energy on the island went down to zero
1: so I think the last time we spoke, we were just about to enter into all of that. So it's uh, it's all happened now. And wow, it's very so exciting. Great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we don't muck around. <laughs> <You damn natted laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. So yeah, in uh,
2: sort of February, March of this year, we installed eighty tons of batteries on the island and four hundred and eighty solar panels, which was yeah. basically increasing what we had, but to a magnitude of you know five or six times what we had. So uh,
1: mm.
2: uh, it, yeah, it's actually great not having. Diesel on the island.
1: And I never thought I'd be impressed by a
0: battery room, but it's incredible. (laughs) (laughs) What about when the guests come onto the island, do you provide any sort of education, take them on a tour and show them how the island works in terms of sustainability? Or do you sort of teach tourists when they leave the island, what they can take with them back in terms of knowledge?
2: Yeah, we do. We we do a it's a subtle thing with us. We don't mm-hmm. while we're happy to talk about our sustainability, we don't we don't sort of bang our chests about it and, and we don't you know, most guests are coming for a holiday and they don't want to think about anything except, yeah. you know, the cocktail in front of them or <laughs> the stand up paddleboard they're about to have. So some, some guests aren't interested at all and therefore we don't talk to them about it, but some guests uh, you know, almost the entire reason they're staying with us is because of our sustainability initiatives. So we take guests through our, our, our battery room and our solar room and we show them how our biocycling treatment works, where our water comes from, and you've got the guests that are really interested... And you've also got guests that probably thought they weren't that interested, but then they become enthused once they understand and see that we're delivering a luxury product, but but also sustainably. And a lot of our guests have actually taken things like our low-energy ceiling fans, our low-energy fridges, and and they've actually installed them in their own homes, which is really good to see.
1: And just little things like when they come down to dinner and cocktail hour, we say, just turn your lights off, and we give everyone a big, beautiful torch to bring down with them. Just little things like that that you know, sometimes people wouldn't think of um, and they don't need to do it, but everyone kind of gets into, you know, doing
0: it and it yeah, it's, feels like they're helping a little bit. So it's nice. In your opinion, if you had to give any sort of tips and advice to the audience or to people who are coming onto the island or anyone that was traveling, based on what your knowledge is in terms of sustainability and looking after your island and reducing wastage, is there any sort of that you would give to people? I think everyone's really onto it now. So, I mean, for us, the basis of
1: Bidara is just let us do the work and you come and relax and we'll guide you uh, if you need guiding. Otherwise, you know, I think everyone's very savvy when it comes to that kind of thing now. And, yeah, we just like them when people get there, we don't want them to have to make any decisions
0: or have to think too hard. So we kind of take care of all of it for them. And tell me what's the craziest thing that's ever happened on the island?
2: <laughs> craziest thing
0: we want to hear some um, of the crazy gossip yeah I'll, I'll leave that bit <laughs> no, to <Sammy>. no <laughs> <laughs> i think
1: the craziest thing for us is and it's and it's not crazy but it was incredible during this whole covid we had to close down for three months so it gave us the chance to take the children and homeschool them on the island so sam was homeschooled there when he was 11 our youngest son is 11 and looks exactly like sam so it was this <laughs> It was very strange and it was wonderful and um, for me that was crazy that as a family we were enjoying it and, and we kept all our staff on during that period and so, you know, they were playing tennis with the children and cooking us dinner and so we kind of got to enjoy the island a little bit without guests around and it's such a special memory. I'm sure the children will never forget it and I certainly won't. So not as, uh, not as juicy as you wanted but it was, it was a bit crazy. We actually had a vacation.
0: Yes, we did. (laughs) We did. We're still recovering. (laughs) And what was one of your worst memories on the island? Hmm. I think for me, the worst memory
1: was when we went to look at it the day that we ended up purchasing it because it was so. Here we go again. Uh, yeah, two things. One, I was really sad, but then all of a sudden it was like, oh, this is going to be hard work. So um, for me, that, I don't know. Can you think of anything? No. no. <laughs> no, it, no you it, may have
2: blocked it. No, out. I, I, I sort of try and block all the bad memories out. <laughs> and, and there have been, I look at, like, you know, anywhere, there's, there's been tough days and uh, you sort of forget about them and
0: just remember the good days. Just going on to your background, what did you do before you actually bought the island? So we have had
1: and still have um, motels in Brisbane, which is the capital of Queensland. I was in PR and Sammy was a very, very clever little boy that worked oh, no,
2: yeah, was
1: Macquarie Bank. So uh, Sam worked for Macquarie and wore a suit for a long time until one day many years ago. He said, I can't do this anymore and he's never worn a suit since not even to our wedding. <laughs> So he had a lot of knowledge. But, you know, the big thing there was he knew so much about Madara and it really is all about passion. If you if you don't love it, then you're not going to enjoy it. And we're still loving it after all the hard work and, and everything. So it's um, fingers crossed it lasts a bit longer.
2: Yeah, I'm and I, both of us sort of came originally from a hospitality background, you know, when we were university studying too. So it's sort of Madara's been a test for us in terms of everything that we have picked up thus far, yeah. and 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 yeah, challenges us every uh, every day. Hmm. But we also know what we like in a holiday, too and that's what we try and <laughs> create we on the uh, on the island.
1: We based it on our perfect holiday, which was um, five star without the pretense. So beautiful, relaxed, and no children, which is awful because we have three. So. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, that, that's a, that's a good way. Like you could say to your children, "Right, guys, you're not allowed on the island. Adults <laughs> only."
1: <laughs> exactly,
0: exactly. You can say on mainland. They <laughs> yes. no. will hate you forever. Yeah. And what resources helped you along the way on your journey?
1: Google.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, it no, came at A great but, time.
2: Uh, <laughs> yeah. Look, it's, it's it's there's so many. You know moving parts to it lots of small things that come together to make it whether it was understanding solar power energy storage um desalination whether it was worth doing understanding the processes in, in bicycle waste treatment getting our heads around regulations related to operating within a marine park you know operating vessels commercially helicopters the list goes on so it just yeah, anywhere we could learn about all of these sort of things, we basically use Google.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it, it came together in the end, so that was good. But we did have, um, you know, Sam had his prior knowledge, which was fantastic, and, you know, people that lived up there, we very much involved a lot of the locals in asking questions and, and things like that. So it's, you learn a lot along the way. Do you
0: know where the name came from?
2: Yes. Vidara is, I guess, an ang- anglicised version of, Bagara, which is sort of the indigenous word for eternal water, ah, uh, and so mm. yeah, the local tribes knew it always had water, and and they called it Bagara. And then it was a well, the first European settler in the Family Islands, he he was the one who sort of changed the uh, how it's pronounced slightly. So.
0: Yeah,
1: because it's part of the Family Islands. So in 1770, Captain Cook sailed straight past, and um, there's an island near us called Dunk, which was the father island. Badara is the mother. And then there's the Twins and the Triplets, which is five other smaller islands. Um, So it's quite gorgeous, the story behind it all as well.
0: So you obviously have neighbours not far from you. Can they Mm -hmm. actually hear any noise from your island? (laughs) No, No, they're too far away. Too far far away. (laughs) Too
1: far away. And, um, yeah, so no one, only the guests are allowed there. So, um, and the closest neighbour would be five kilometres or something away, so a long way away. We'd have to be very loud for them to hear us. How how would you get to the island?
2: Uh, Two main ways are by boat or by helicopter. Uh, So we run a helicopter directly from Cairns, which is an international airport, so it's about a 45-minute flight a uh, helicopter flight from Cairns directly to the island. Alternatively, guests can travel by road from Cairns to Mission Beach, which is a beautiful little coastal town uh, that we're just off the coast from. And so, uh, and we run a boat from Mission Beach across the island. So it's an amphibious boat, so it's got wheels. So it basically drives down the beach into the water and at the other end drives up the beach. So yeah. uh, it's a bit of an experience in itself as well.
1: So no one has to get their feet wet. <laughs> Yeah, so, so it's,
2: it's quite, quite a pleasant trip and it, it goes past a couple of the islands on the way on the way there so uh, yeah uh, and the
1: helicopter flight's spectacular because you're coming down the coast and it's quite impressive and you're also going inland a little bit over rainforest so it's really beautiful.
0: Oh lovely. Uh, I've actually got a couple of friends that live out in Australia and they're literally waiting for me to come down. So oh great Yes. I'll definitely make a trip. Right. Well, thank you for joining me today.
2: Oh, well, thank you, Alicia. Yeah.
0: Sorry it took so long for us to
1: be able to connect. It's been crazy over here. Yeah. I mean, it was
0: actually really funny how we first got talking. <laughs> so, <laughs> it seems so long ago. So I WhatsApp video called her and she didn't realise who I was. So she answered it and she literally looked at me in the weirdest way possible. I was thinking, and I could I not see- even understand. <laughs> and I could see her drinking her drink and I could see her in sort of like a bar. And I thought, okay, she's had a future dream. She's really confused right now. And then she shows up everyone who she was with, like, do you know this person?
1: <laughs> I was so confused. And we couldn't have been any more opposite to the island. We we're at the snow, so we'd been skiing. And it was so funny. And then finally it clicked. And so I called you back and, and we had a very funny conversation.
0: <laughs> that was great. It was a new way to meet. Definitely, a great
1: way to meet. Well, we'll have more of those conversations in person, hopefully. Exactly,
0: or we'll have to do like Zoom cocktails. <laughs> exactly, <No>. exactly. <laughs> but it was lovely to speak to you guys.
2: Likewise, likewise. Thank yeah, you.
0: Great to speak to you, and keep in touch. Yeah, for sure. And for everyone that is listening, check out their Instagram page and their website b a d a r r a dot com. And if you're international, then just add a .au at the end. And that's. I think all. it's
2: had a .au for everyone. I think. Oh, is
0: it? For, okay, right. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. We're,
2: we're a bit. Uh, we're a bit slow with technology up <laughs> here in North Queensland.
1: We're too busy worrying, worrying about sustainability. <laughs> and, and our guests. And our guests. <laughs> uh, and it's B-E-D. B-E-D-A-R-R-A.
0: Yeah. But great right, speaking with you. Yeah, and I'll talk to you guys soon. This is the podcast to discover everything you need to know about private islands. Check out my fun video attempts on Instagram and TikTok. And don't forget to follow me to keep up to date with the latest news in the private island world. Waving out.